0: At the end of the day, if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, I will not be worried, realistically. It's, it's the problems I'm leaving for my family. You know, I've got two kids and a lovely wife. At the end of the day, I feel like I should take as much care to make sure that the process of losing me is as painless as possible in the areas that it can be. Mm-hmm. You know, a very simple planning exercise. Okay, so sitting down, reviewing your finances properly, and you can remove so many issues for the family further down the road.
1: Welcome along to episode 5 of Financial Athletes, where today we're going to be talking about a really key issue in financial planning, which is share ownership. Today I'm really pleased to be joined by Ethan Sherlock, who's a senior wealth manager at the Devere Group, who's been here for five years and helps numerous clients around the GCC region protect and plan for their future. Ethan, prior to working at Devere, owned his own insurance company – which is why he's the perfect person to speak about the benefits of ownership with a company. So Ethan, really good to have you with us today.
0: Nice to be with you too, sir. Um, my journey into the industry was a bit haphazard, really. Once I finished university, I kind of just did what I could for, for quite some time. I had my first daughter, well, my only daughter, my first child at 21. So I kind of just got thrown into kind of making ends meet kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Worked really hard um, and I actually started an insurance company in the UK. Was really successful doing that. Really enjoyed it. Really, really happy. Um, And got to the point where where we sold the company. Uh, I spent some time not really, not really working. Took it easy a little bit, and then got approached to uh, to join Devere here in uh, in Dubai. So
1: you had a kid at quite a young age. Do you think that gave you a good understanding of perhaps some of the struggles that parents go through when it comes to financial planning?
0: A hundred percent, because financial planning is difficult. But it's even more difficult if the finances aren't really there. It seems difficult in some ways. Financial planning with in in the opposite position, but that gave me a good understanding that you need to be switched on with your finances, look after them and and care for them as much as you care for your child, because at the end of the day, that's who they care for.
1: Absolutely, and and that sort of transition from running an insurance company into wealth management, how how smooth was that? Um, Pretty smooth, to be fair. The company's
0: got some really good systems and and controls in place as far as uh, the recruitment process, um, the training process. There are some really, really strong and excellent characters that I've met along my journey, and the the culture is one of those that you know help is given to those who ask. You mm-hmm. know, so yeah, it, it, it was a bit of a jump, but the people that I've met and the friends I've made along the way have made it a lot easier.
1: Mm-hmm. No, that's that's an interesting point. And for someone who sold your comp or you sold your own company, mm-hmm. right? You know all the benefits of building something and then seeing the rewards of it. Now, in this conversation, obviously, we're going to be talking more in depth about how share ownership works for employees in a company. Uh So just on a very basic level at first, and then we'll delve into a bit more detail, how does employee share schemes, or how do employee share schemes work and how do employees benefit from them? Okay, so there's
0: a number of ways in which they can work practically, Mm -hmm. but the simplest way of looking at it is a company is giving their employees ownership in the company in which they work for. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a couple of reasons why they might do that. Um, one is to to increase employee uh, loyalty, reliability. You know, if you're a, if you look at it from the perspective of a of a of a key uh, employee, like a managing director, you know, all the way down to general manager of an office, for example, mm. you know, it, it does does create a little bit of an ownership. Uh, perspective from that individual and also create a bit of brand loyalty as well you know if someone's been working for i don't know apple for 10 years and uh, you know in that 10 years they can build up a fairly substantial uh, amount of of employee stock or employee stock rewards or it could be you know discounted stock purchase plans you know employer might offer to their staff uh, a discount on each individual share that they buy Mm -hmm. um but the ways that employees get there is irrelevant, realistically, the, the end goal is the same, is to build up a culture of ownership and care for the company as if it is the, the employee's company as well. In the same way that you did that with your own
1: company, exactly. but obviously yeah. to, a, to a more diluted <laughs> We we, we, sense. Were, we
0: were a little bit off Apple on our market <laughs> cap. But, <laughs> but yeah, the, the, the goal was the same, to build something and mm-hmm. to be part of it and, and to be proud of it as well. So when you
1: were running that insurance yeah. company, how many employees did you have in the team at that time?
0: So uh, as far as um directors, there was me, two other directors mm-hmm. and and then individual employees, it kind of it felt like it went up daily. you know we went mm-hmm. we, we did expand pretty quickly because we we started obviously in around North Wales, where I'm from, Wrexham. Um, we had an office in Chester, and we kind of expanded right the way across the north of the country pretty quickly, and then down all the way down to um, the Midlands fairly quickly after that as well. And obviously, in those individual areas, we needed area managers, admin staff. You know, it, it, it did expand pretty quickly. I'd say as a as a head count on off the top of my head, 50,
1: 50 to hundred okay. staff. And did you do any employee share scheme with them or was Ooh. there any, how, how did the benefit system work with that?
0: So as, as a director, we had, I had direct ownership in the company. Mm-hmm. And then as we brought, brought on <laughs> um, key stakeholders from other companies, so the, we found the easiest way to expand as a company was to, for want of a better word, poach people from others. I mean, yeah, we're <laughs> you know, it is the word. It's standard it? practice, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Um, and and as part of that, we we did offer you know, although smaller, we did mm-hmm. offer a stake in a, a stake in the company
1: as part of that. And is it is it common? I mean, we often see it with the large cap companies, and we hear about that. But how mm-hmm. how far does it filter down that companies offer this? Um,
0: it could be even. You know, I've got a very good friend of mine that's looking at starting a business here in the UAE. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the moment, it's just him and his essentially best friend mm-hmm. who I've got maybe 50, 50% 50 50 50 ownership in this company mm-hmm. but that's not to say that they can't bring investors on by say share selling two percent of that company each or even though it's not listed a good example or an easy one for people to understand is you know one company's house you could have a one percent owner of a company mm-hmm. um a lot of people do that for you know if, if they set up a, a limited company for holding property in the uk they would add you know, sons, daughters, etc., for um, as as directors.
1: So there's numerous ways in which people can have some kind of vested interest, holding yeah. or interest in in the company. Sure. What are the main benefits that we see from um, an employee's perspective? Not so much from the business because that's quite clear. You yep. get the um, aligned interest of the employee and the sure. company. You want to see the company succeed because ultimately, what you own will then increase in value. That's very clear. Sure. Um, for the employees, what else is there that's could be seen as a potential benefit for them?
0: For the employee, not only do you get to see, you know, from an employee's perspective, you are building up a lot of the time, you know, certainly from people I meet, it's their first kind of foray into the stock market, mm-hmm. for example, people find that a little bit exciting. You yeah. know, it is a, a bit rock and roll from, from one perspective. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, you are building up a, a value. You know, you are building up what feels like a tangible asset. You know, you're building wealth. Through your employer that that is more than just you know a pension feels like it's going to take forever to to retire, a lot of people you know even even me now i I kind of feel like I'm never going to retire, so my pension kind of <laughs> feels like you know a million miles away from me. A lot of the time you have an online login, you can go and check your shares, and it just creates this sense of you're really building something while you're working for the company that you work for, and a lot of the time you can build up a you know a sizable amount of wealth and I've got an example that I can run through with you mm-hmm. later actually of how that has happened with
1: one of my clients. Actually. Okay, brilliant. I mean, that's that's the, the upside of it mm. in terms of you, you say, the example of your Apple employee, they, they're holding Apple shares, they're doing well, yeah. and that's a good example of where share ownership has really handsomely rewarded sure. um, employees. But as we know from financial professionals, that 's not always the case mm. you don 't you don't just get a with, with most stocks it 's not just a nice upward trend of the no. share price, even if you're, the amount you own is increasing because you 're continuously adding or get, getting your pot added to by the company mm-hmm. but say you work at a company that hasn 't performed well on the stock market sure let 's talk through like the downsides of that or maybe volatility as well
0: well look, the, you know, from from our perspective being financial professionals, we kind of understand that stock prices tend to go up over time obviously Mm -hmm. that's not true for every single stock otherwise we'd all be millionaires but a lot of the time we can get tricked into thinking like the stock is going to go up forever, mm-hmm. and and unfortunately, when you've kind of as an employee, if you've been gifted stock or you've been buying discounted stock, mm-hmm. if we if we look at this last year or so as an maybe not the last year actually, if we look at 2022 as an example, people who had these uh, stock purchase plans or employee reward schemes kind of went from where markets were at the very peak, certainly in in the tech sector, to their shares dropping in value in
1: seventy percent. And so how do people plan for that then? So say you had, let's use the example of Zoom mm. that was a, a sort of pan, that one of the darlings of the pandemic in terms sure. of stock, um, the stock markets. So you're doing really well. You've seen your ownership fly up. Yeah. Are people who have these ownership schemes, are they tied into that stock? Can they diversify away from it? Because it's conventional wisdom that if your stock has done super well, mm-hmm. you'd look to cash in the benefits of that and diversify. Can people do that when they've got these stocks? Um, holding schemes of companies?
0: It depends. A lot of the time, uh, a company like Zoom would do, you know, like there's one from uh, Morgan Stanley, that they provide that stock purchase plan to Zoom, who then provide it to their clients, if you see what I mean. So there's like a, uh, an online platform where you can see your shares. Now, typically after a vesting period, so you have to keep that employee share. So if your employer gives you a share, you have to keep it for a vesting period before it comes becomes vested. i heard one person call them golden handcuffs. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. Yeah. yeah, So you have to, and, and the reason for that is one, people, well, an employer doesn't want you to get the, the company shares and you know sell a ton of them straight away you know they don't want to see that kind of sale happening every day or Mm -hmm. you know
1: because then you lose that (coughs) vested
0: interest that we spoke about exactly just it goes out the window exactly so there's there's a a vesting period essentially where you can't sell that stock Mm -hmm. and and then also on top of that you know, I, I can't say specifically for for one platform or the other without properly reviewing it, but mm. a lot of the time you might not be able to hold other stocks in there. So although you might be okay. able to sell that stock, you might not then be able to diversify into, say, a balanced multi-asset portfolio or or
1: into an ETF even, you know. Okay. So if you don't have that flexibility within the current platform that you own, sure. what are your options there? If you really wanted to diversify or you wanted to look at other options, are you in most cases tied into that platform or can you move into other ones?
0: So, the, 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 the most common, I'd say, perception of that vesting period I, I have when I meet people is that that vesting period is kind of the golden handcuffs. When that's up, I can sell it and just take the cash. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time, you know, when I meet someone who's in that position, they don't need cash. What they need is a, is a bit more of a diverse portfolio, you know. And although they might not be able to get that through the platform that they currently have, mm-hmm. there are very simple planning exercises that we can perform just to one, either move the stock into a more efficient environment or into an environment which they can be sold. You can sell 50% of them or you can you can sell all of them and reinvest into something a bit more mm-hmm. suitable for you as a client. And on top of that, it, you bring up a good point because although they might not be able to sell it on that current platform, you know, there's typically better platforms for them to be held on anyway from from estate planning perspectives from like I said, you well, diversification is a really good point because <clears throat> you know, for a lot of really high end employees, they're not only earning their salary from a company, they've also built up a big pension with a company, mm-hmm. which they're, you know, is more exposure to that one company doing well. And, and, and you've then you've got stock on top of that as well. You got your stock. Yeah. And then obviously Maybe even insurances, linked you've got to the company. Healthy insurance. Yeah. You've also got your monthly income coming from them. Mm-hmm. So if anything, you know, you you kind of got massive exposure to this one single company. Mm-hmm. So if it all in, goes pop, you're in a, yeah. a lot of trouble. Exactly. You know, and I'm not saying, you know, if you've got a massive holding of Microsoft stock that they're going to go pop overnight, but it's something I would certainly think of. You know, you, it, I think
1: looking at stock history, no matter how stable a company appears, sure, no matter how consistent the long-term performance has been yeah it's always wise to diversify irrespective of what that company looks like today because there's been so many cases in the past of where you've had a company that people thought could never fail would always just continue to steadily rise and they've just dropped Mm. i mean blackberry was a bit more of a flash in the pan it came quickly and left well a good example but you think the same about them
0: yeah a good example in most recent history is credit Suisse.
1: yeah you know it's got Swiss in the name. 18- 1886, <laughs> I think it was. <laughs> yeah, was founded, and and all of a no, sudden, no more. This, but yeah, exactly. So that shows like a bedrock of the Swiss financial yeah. system can crumble. Sure. And why can? Why is anyone else of safe? Course, yeah. um, and that's not to scaremonger. No, it, it's, I mean, it's yeah. just a it's just a point on. Mm-hmm. Be cautious. Always diversify. Because mm-hmm. uh, anything it's, can happen. Of course, it's true. Um, so you did just touch upon estate planning and sure. and and how that works now for people who own stock at mm-hmm. what point is there a tax risk or is there a tax liability <laughs> if their company's given them x amount there's no
0: kind of lower limit for certain jurisdictions so i think i think one of the one of the key things that people don't understand so there is always going to be CGT. Obviously, the UK's just uh, kind of moved the goalpost quite heavily as far as how much you can you can earn from capital gains before you get taxed and mm-hmm. and stuff like that. You know, I, I think for for a lot of people, that's becoming more apparent that the amount that they can make from their investments is becoming smaller and smaller and smaller before His Majesty takes his cut. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, typically there are ways and means around that. You know, certainly for a British expat, the, a lot of the time. British expats want to retire in the UK. Mm-hmm. So, although that they might be in a jurisdiction now where they don't really have to worry about the HMRC or, or or paying tax or capital gains tax, you know, you need to make sure that you are planning for the future in the sense that it's not always going to be that way, you know, and you can set yourself up now to build tax benefits from the future Mm -hmm. and then also not have to worry about it when you go home so from a very uk-centric perspective i you know if you're holding a platform that's great you know if you're buying stocks and shares and you're buying etfs or whatever it may be and you're trying to build your wealth brilliant you know that's the first goal the second is to make sure that you've bulletproofed them from a from an estate planning perspective you know it it's very easy to to kind of um forget that we're not going to be here forever, you know. We're not immortal, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, although people are trying to work on it, but um, our CEO included, <laughs> of course. Yeah, um, I think I'm pretty sure he is, though. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the, the the point I'm trying to make is, you know, although it might feel like a million miles away, there's nothing un- not to be quite morbid. And I always use this analogy with my with my family. Even is you, I could be hit by a bus tomorrow. So making sure that you've planned properly for the worst is always better than hoping for the best and the worst happening. The kind of one thing I was focusing on today or or was thinking about today is that a lot of these, the clients that I meet, as far as for the big US companies that have these employee share schemes, don't realise that they would be liable to much higher rates of estate tax than if they were a US national. Mm -hmm. So for a US national, I think it's roughly, well, it's just shy of $1.2 million that you can leave to the family once you shuffle off this mortal coil and there's no estate tax liability. Mm-hmm. If you're a non-US national and there's no double taxation agreement between your nationality or nationality's country and the US, then your allowance, is essential, or your family's allowance, I should say, is uh, $60,000. Over that, the family will pay anything from 18% up to 40% in uh, estate tax. And now the reason I say that is because it's incredibly easy to mitigate you know you don't need to sell the shares all you need to do is sit down with a qualified experienced financial advisor that can say look brilliant that you've built these shares up then look at the diversification are you diverse enough are you relying on, on them for your income salary your, your income pension you know this wealth that you've built up in shares your health care your, your life insurance mm-hmm. you know is it worth having a look at what you can do with one to get into, into a more efficient environment and then secondly, you know, should you have that much exposure to the company that you also work for, mm-hmm. you know, so um, as far as the US shares problem, I think that's the biggest problem that people are going to have, or I, I keep saying people, but their families are going to have, mm. because at the end of the day, if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, I will not be worried, realistically, I won't, <laughs> you know, but it's it's the problems I'm leaving for my family, you know, I've got two kids and a lovely wife, and at the end of the day i feel like i should take as much care to make sure that the process of losing me is as painless as possible in the areas that it can be Mm -hmm. you know a very simple planning exercise a case of sitting down reviewing your finances properly and you can remove so many issues for the family further down the road Uh, Uh, how
1: long does this planning process generally take it it you know
0: it's not one size fits all unfortunately Mm -hmm. you know you you may sit down with one advisor and it may take an hour to, to review your finances mm-hmm. and basically get a good understanding or run through what we call a fact find. Basically get an understanding of what you've got and where it is. Mm-hmm. You know that, That's the, the, one of the most essential parts of the process is getting an understanding of you as a person, what you've got, where it is, who your family are, where are they. You know, That's what we need to understand first. And then on the back of that, that's where the advice comes from. Okay. So,
1: Thank you so much, Ethan. It's all right. You're more than welcome. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Financial Athletes. Please make sure you subscribe to the show, which helps us book in more guests for the future.